0: the metapod podcast pokemon podcast that revolves around the evolving meta and around the evolving world sean and i are on two different sides of the world right now jake as you can tell my background i'm still living in my house in kentucky but sean for everyone listening and watching it looks a little different where are you at right now
1: i am in japan i was gonna say tokyo but i'm not actually in tokyo anymore i am now in osaka so, uh...
0: John actually got the world championship dates, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, yeah. Yeah, oh, I flew here too early. No! Yeah, um, oh, man. <laughs> terrible news, everyone. No, no. I, I am just in Osaka traveling for vacation. Uh, if any of you, I guess, you might have seen on our Twitter, I think I posted a video on the Twitter of me going to the Pokemon Center in one of the Pokemon mm-hmm. Centers in Tokyo. Um, I also picked up a pretty sweet card, uh, a, a side duck. You remember the screaming? You know those. You picked art- that one up. Yeah, yeah. I bought the Psyduck. I want the Rowlett one so bad. Uh, I mean, but I never they picked have it up, it. and then the prices spiked. They they had it there. I think it was. I think the Rowlets maybe like eighty bucks or ninety bucks, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I I I missed out on it when it was like fifteen. Yeah, the Pikachu one I want to say was is like $1100 or something crazy. Yeah, I was going to say probably
0: the like the Pikachu is the most expensive, then probably I think there's an Eevee
1: there is an evm um, yeah.
0: And I'm trying to think. I would say, like, Rowlet's probably higher than Psyduck, but Psyduck's probably the cheapest one out of all of them. Yeah,
1: that's the one I picked up, because A,
0: Psyduck is adorable, and B... Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really cool-looking card, too, like, out of all of them, because Psyduck, it, like, always has the headaches and stuff, so it kind of, <laughs> like, fits really well with the Pokemon in general.
1: Yeah, so, I, I mean, I picked that up because I'm like, look, there's a lot of cards here that you could buy, but, like, for me... Like, if I'm buying a single, I want to buy something that was exclusive to Japan that, like, Mm -hmm. I could get it in America if I buy it on eBay or whatever. But, like, I'm here. I'll buy it when I'm here, you know? So that was my thinking. That was, like, yeah, I mean, when um, some listeners may
0: know this person if they've been playing the game for a long time. Purple Cliff. um, Yeah. Jack, when he went to Japan, he actually bought we coordinated he bought me a dream league booster i mean i paid him but he bought me a dream league booster box and the purpose of it was so i could get the exclusive dream league promo oh right um, the was only released in japan yeah the lily and clefairy it's one of my favorite cards that i own of all time
1: yeah that's cool that's cool um yeah i mean it's been it's been crazy here it's like it's a lot of fun. There's so many Pokemon card stores. Pokemon cards are yeah. everywhere. There's like vending yeah. machines that you can like the gotcha gotcha machines or claw machines where you can like win them. It's there's more Pokemon cards here than I know what to do with, Jake. And at the same time, it's very hard to just straight up buy a booster box at retail. Really hard. Yeah. So,
0: this is a thing. I mean, if you watch um, OKJ Love on YouTube, we've talked about him several times on the podcast, buddy of mine. Um, He he has talked extensively about how, in the last like six months, um, collecting in Japan has become impossible in terms of money because retail has just, it's not existent anymore.
1: Yeah. I mean, I ended up buying, I did buy a V Star box and a v-max climax box a v-star Ooh. universe and a v-max climax which like those are fun like you know i might open them up when yeah, I get those home. are high class packs you know right and i was those actually special sets i apparently was very lucky the day i went to the pokemon center they were just selling v-star universe packs you could buy five per person so i ended up buying mm-hmm. 10 which was the equivalent of a booster box and yeah. like ethan and, and other people you know and people are like oh wow that's actually really lucky that they happened to have the high class at retail at a Pokemon center that day. And I was like, oh, hmm. so.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes sometimes you just get lucky and they restock, you know, in a, in a reprint, you know, yeah. you just get lucky.
1: So anyways, that's that's like some of the highlights. Um, but we have a lot to talk about today. I don't know, Jake. I was actually thinking about when we should cut to the interview that I did with Ethan Hege. Um I think we should probably do that. Early in the pod, and then we'll do the news. Okay, you want to do it right now? Yeah, yeah. Right now? So actually, yeah, we'll we'll set it up. So I interviewed Ethan Heggie. We're gonna do a quick introduction of him in that interview. I, you know, we're we're doing it on the fly. But I didn't have an outro or anything in the interview, so I'm like, okay, well, let's do that now. Actually, I'm thinking. So we'll throw it over to that interview with Pokemon commentator and all around cool dude player Ethan Heggie, and uh, catch you back here. As I'm sure y'all can see, I am with Ethan. How do you pronounce your... Heggy? Yeah, you got Ethan it. Ethan Heggy. okay. Um, for those of you who don't know, but somehow listen to the podcast, I don't... That's amazing, one. And uh, two, Ethan is a uh, commentator for Pokemon. Absolutely awesome. We got some police action going on here. <laughs> Very popular. Typical pop. day in Tokyo at this point, so... <laughs> Typical. Um, but we're gonna do a like, quick walk and talk here for the pod. I'm, I met up with Ethan here in Tokyo. He has been gracious enough to walk me around multiple areas, uh, including where we are now, which is Akihabara, mm-hmm. or Akiva, as, as, you know, the pseudo-locals would <laughs> I would not consider myself a local. We're not at that level yet. Yeah, n- not at that level. But yeah, uh, I guess in terms of like topics, I I just wanted to get like, you know, a little bit of your story of how you got into commentating Pokemon. Like, yeah, you know, I know you're still pretty young, uh, especially relative to a lot of the commentators that you work with. So. The whole story. I got you. So. The whole story. I had played
2: competitively before for, we'll call it three years until the pandemic. So we got to about that point where it was. so 2020, and then everything shut down in terms of events. Yeah. And then, uh, once COVID shut down and tournaments shut down, I went to build a PC and started creating content over on Twitch, which eventually turned into an understanding that there was a lack of competitive foundation in terms of tournaments being ran on a consistent basis. Limitless was running great thousand-player tournaments, but those were happening once every couple of months. So I decided yep. to not only organize those, but stream them on Twitch as a way to get more people to play and have a fun experience for those playing and for the other viewers as well, so that was the whole idea. What eventually that turned into was the tournaments getting bigger and in turn having more and more people on to commentate. We're going to go over through this one here. And so pretty much what ended up happening was the tournaments went from about 16 people to uh, 32 to 64 to, we were getting upwards of 250 people coming and playing these tournaments and we broadcast them and then we start having better and better people in terms of community and reach. So we started having some semi-pro players and some pro players come on. And then uh, I eventually got Kenny Wisdom, who was a caster for TPCI at the time, to come on and do a cast. And then from there, other casters came on. I had Chip Richie come on. And it was never done with the intention to get a job as a commentator at Pokemon. It was just my way to essentially share my love for the game and do what I could to provide for the community. But lo and behold, uh, on my 18th birthday, the day I turned 18, uh, I got an email from Pokemon saying we want you <laughs> they to were waiting. the work. They were waiting. Yeah. They were like, oh, he's legal now. Let's pounce and we'll go <laughs> oh, for God. it. And yeah, from there, didn't really know what would happen, what my future would be in terms of commentary. I started out with Players Cup 3, so that was a virtual broadcast. It was yeah. a remote broadcast. And then Players Cup 4 and then a big break from that. And then EUIC last year is my first in-person event. And ever since then, I've been traveling all around doing different events. Did World Championships last year. Uh, got to do some regional events this year. It was just in Australia a few weeks ago. Uh, loving every minute of it and, and loving the opportunity that I have to, to cast with the
1: Pokemon Company and to be a voice for the Pokemon community. Yeah, I mean, I know for myself, like, I remember the Heggies, the tournaments back in the, the, the before times. So not really, during the during times, I guess, of COVID? Yeah, like um, the, the, the heat era. Of COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, I think it was like, it's a very clear path for people like that maybe knew you when you started doing that. So. Um, I will say as a commentator, though, I know a lot of people are very, have been very like, excited about you joining the commentary team. I think, you know, obviously you're, you have like a knowledge and a skill set as a player that I think you bring a lot to the game from that perspective. Not to say that the other commentators don't. Sure. That's not, not, not what the implication is. but I just think that, yeah, it's, it's I think good to have somebody who's like very fresh in the competitive scene um, and obviously, still actively playing, especially here in Japan. Um, yeah, so Ethan obviously moved here to Japan uh, about six or so months ago. Yeah, in August I moved over. Here. Yeah, for um, school. Mm-hmm. And while you've been here, you've been playing in some of the city championships and like the. Is that what they're called? City championships? City leagues, yeah, city league tournaments. That's what we've been playing in, so. Okay and uh, how have you been
2: doing? Uh, I've been doing pretty well. Uh, my first one was top eight, and then I won my second one that I ended up going to, and then uh, we, don't, we don't talk about the last <laughs> one that I went to. It's not great. Okay. Uh, the, the whole system in Japan is so wildly different, and I've talked about this on, on several different platforms. The best way I can describe it is there's very little room for error, and consistency uh, is either extremely valued or extremely undervalued. So in a city league mm. circuit, it's like a League Cup circuit, but you don't have the freedom to go to as many as you want, so you have to be consistent at the events that you go to. It's not like League Cups where you could bomb two and win two, and it would... Because be there's not the nearly points. as many events. You're limited to four for the entire year, that's, that's pretty much where yeah. you're at in terms of uh, what events you could do. We'll, we'll go over this later. Yeah. Right
1: and is that how, for Japanese players, like obviously, in the rest of the world we have the CP system, mm-hmm. but if a Japanese player wants to play in Worlds, which is happening in Japan this year, is that how they get in to qualify? Do they have to like win one of these four events? So it's your total points, so there is the point
2: system similar, but it's not a hit a point threshold. It's a mm-hmm. B ranked in relative of your points to uh, everybody okay. else's points. So it's all not really a consistent number. There's like a general ballpark number for how many points you'll probably need to get something going. However, yeah. uh, the thing is it's not a guarantee at the end of the day, so. That's um, sort of the
1: the lighting. The lighting is just bright red, so I love it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, would you say that that system is more or less punishing than the CP? Because I know that there's a lot of people who level like valid complaints at the CP system. Yeah. I think it's. I think with cups and challenges coming back, it's getting. Not probably more fair. I don't know if it's like fully fair yet, but like, sure. What are what do you think? Do you see as the downsides, or maybe the and the upsides of the system here in Japan?
2: Well, at city leagues, you've got to be extremely consistent. So I was in the running with a first place and a top eight, but as soon as I bombed my third out of the fourth one that I had, I was I was out of the running. Right. So oh, wow. one bad showing means that my chance to go is essentially gone. And I That's would agree that the system of getting top four to Champions League, get your invite, would be fair if everybody could play in every Champions League they went to. Right. Because yeah. then. You're not punished if you perform badly in one. However, the way that it works, too, is you have to be consistent in the fact that, on average, mm-hmm. n- I'm not lucky, so I haven't gotten to any, <laughs> but on average, you get into one major event a year, whether that's Nationals or a Champions yeah. League. And that's your one shot. You've got to perform <laughs> extremely well in that one event, or you're done. You're, you're out. It's not going to work anymore, so
1: flip it around go going crazy here let's do it uh, we're, we're walking around we're out here in Tokyo you know we, how it is. this is all real un, unscripted <laughs> we have no idea where we're walking yeah, we're just walking Ethan maybe knows I have no clue I'm just following We're following and fun trying in. to avoid cars <laughs> um, I'll make sure you don't get it don't worry <laughs> I'll try I'll do my best um, yeah so I, I guess like knowing that you only can compete in so many events and like basically one bad showing and you're out that does feel it's very, is, is that why there are so few Japanese players that typically, that typically go to Worlds?
2: Um, well, there's a lower amount than America in terms of like how many people are going to like be put into Worlds, mm-hmm. but it also comes down to the fact that you don't see the same faces at Worlds every year, and those that you do are really like the truly skilled players. Yeah. They found a way, whatever their methods are, to be consistent and to get into Worlds through the various methods that, methods that there are. I mean. You've got, to, you've got to say, like, the system, even for some of the top players, they'd still probably find a way to get in if it was just that region alone. But it's really hard, especially now in standard, when there's so many variables. You've got to have an insanely good record, these champions, Leagues. So you've got to be 11-2 in best-of-one Swiss to have a chance to bubble in to top 16, where you have to play an additional two more top-cut single elimination brackets against the 16 best players in the entire tournament to then get your day one invite, not even a day yeah. two invite for making top four. So there's not a lot of room for error, and it also means that because of this extreme level of consistency that you need to have, Mm -hmm. it's hard to achieve, and it's very unlikely that you're one of those people to get in. 16 people in total to 20 people total through Champions Leagues, 40 people in through City Leagues, and 16 people through Nationals. That's maybe 70-something people in combination of day one and day two. It's hard for you to cement yourself as that player every single year with how many different variables go into it.
1: Yeah. Okay, so. Knowing that the system is very different in how you achieve points. You kept talking about consistency, right? You mentioned best of one. Obviously, something that most American players like to bring up when they talk about deck building and you look at Japanese decks and you're like, yeah, but you can't really like rely on the Japanese deck because it's best of one. And it's all just like, you know, who luck sacks into it or whatever. How much of that do you feel like is true? And how much of it do you think is like this common misconception?
2: It's like a case-per-case basis, but on average, if a deck performs well in best-of-one, it's probably going to perform good in three games that are similar to (laughs) best-of-one. If anything, it would reward high-skill, high-roll decks less, which, Mm. in my opinion, if decks are performing well in Champions Leagues, they don't have the capacity to high-roll Mm-hmm. The, the odds that a deck is, is high roll and wins 12 out of 14 games consistently without being extremely heavily reliant on a crazy combo or a crazy draw that would otherwise mean if they don't hit it, they lose, is usually a good sign for a deck's consistency. I think, obviously, the bigger the tournament, the more serious you have to take it. So for something yeah. like a City League, if you see some random Rapid Strike deck win with, like, of e star and you're like, wow, this is a crazy combo, I have no, pers- no clue how this person won this. A lot less rounds, a lot less variability, a lot of things that you've also got to keep in mind. I do think some decks are a little bit better in terms of what performs well in best of one, what performs well in best of three. Of course, you're never going to see any control decks played in best of one in Japan, because That's... it's a double game loss for top, for if both players tie. And it means oh. that there is essentially no incentive. Like, you will get slow played by somebody throughout the tournament to not win, so it's an issue.
1: That's uh, I think the control, sorry. Yeah, we're oh. good. I think the control element, we can start walking. I don't know which let's direction go, to let's go. go. Let's go. <laughs> let's, uh, we'll walk around. Um, I think the control element is fascinating because mm. I know that Jake, co-host uh, of the pod, he likes control decks. I think that in terms of the Western world, control is I think an important archetype to support because it requires like skill on both players' parts to like win, to know what to play against. But like your point is here, like. Control is just not an archetype, it seems like. Yeah,
2: it makes me really wonder why they print the cards if they have a pretty good understanding that the cards are never going to be officially played in the capacity of of a tournament structure,
1: but... In Japan, yeah. But
2: besides that, that fact, I think it's important to note that some of the decks that are a little bit... The game is designed, I believe, for this format, so a lot of times we'll see some decks do better in terms of... What's happening? So, for a great example of this is Lost Box right now is very much not a three game set. You cannot play three games of a Lost Box functioning versus something else mm-hmm. in 50 minutes, most of the time, unless one player breaks yeah. or something happens. But I will say, Lost Box is perfect for best of one. Games finish in around 20 to 25 minutes yeah. every time. They don't go over that, right? So, what that means is it's just, it's just one game, it's nice and quick, it's good, it works out, and nobody has to worry about these games where the Lost Box player goes first, they win. Lugia goes first, (laughs) they they win win game two, and then you got five have a tie. Yeah. It's like, what am I I supposed to do, right? Like, I I just lose here at this point, so. Or I I, both players would just die, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, That kind of, it reminds me of those, like, Tina Tag decks a few years back. Like, when people would bring those to best of three regionals, my whole thought was, like, you're just committing yourself to not winning. Because you're going to get enough ties in this tournament. That there is no way, like, unless you're, I don't know, Robin Schultz, and you can somehow make it to day two with five ties. Sure, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. I mean, that's the only person that I think has, like, done really well at a tournament with a deck. He's, he played the Urshifu deck. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I don't know, nine months ago, they did really well. That was but, a while ago, yeah. Um, that's a flashback. But, yeah, I, okay, so, bit of a difference here in Japan. Let's take a seat for a second. Yeah, let's do it. My arm. <laughs> no, if you want me to hold it, I can no, hold it no, as can, well. I can. I can I can do this. All right. So, all right. we We've covered a little bit about Japan, commentating, all that stuff. I'm trying to think of other topics. Is there something I'm not asking that I should be asking?
2: Um, maybe as a little, like, preview to maybe some of the viewers coming over to Japan later on okay. in the year for August. Yeah. Uh, um, I think it's important for an event like World Championships. I mean, this uh, the event gets bigger and bigger every year. We saw a huge jump in terms of Worlds in DC to Worlds in London was, was astronomical. It was yep. a crazy jump in terms of the production quality, the quality of the broadcast, the stage was huge, the audience was yeah. huge. And I expect with the tendencies of TPCI that this event's gonna be even bigger than the last one that we saw. So speaking of that, I think it's important to bring some hype and bring some excitement. I can't really stress enough like how excited I am <laughs> for everybody to come over and experience this who can come over. Like yeah. if there's one trip you can go to, if there's one event you want to be at. It's World Championships, even when it was in the States, yeah. even more so now if you have the opportunity to. I, it is a great experience, it is a great way to have a vacation during the summer as well, to come over, explore through Japan, explore through the culture, you're gonna love it, anybody's gonna love it. There's, yeah. I mean, there's so much to do for any different people, right, and no matter what subculture that you're part of, but I think it's also important to Uh, Maybe understand sort of some of the rule changes that have happened overseas so that you guys are Mm -hmm. ready I think it's a great experience for anybody to play against somebody in a different language I would say push yourself outside of your comfort zone to play against some players from Japan Some players that you're not gonna have experience with you can play with your local friends at your game store, too I think it's really cool to have that opportunity to play against some of these players That you're not gonna be able to play against necessarily and the way things are looking up It's gonna be a lot more similar sets are starting to get a little bit closer together now It seems at least on par hopefully by August and also Japan have been using a like a self-cutting method for a while where because of COVID and not touching decks you like split your deck into three piles and you say pick which
1: one is on top or whatever yeah yeah
2: but now they abolished that as of last week so they're back to doing normal you can shuffle your opponent's deck you can cut your opponent's deck by hand so things are getting closer to normal I just like I don't know every time I think about worlds I just like have to stop myself like I can't get too excited yet like we're still we're still four months out, man. Not yet. Give me like another couple of months and I'll be talking up a storm on Twitter about it all day. So.
1: I will say though, with Worlds, like, you know, have, I went to Worlds in DC and that's the only Worlds I've been to, but I imagine it's not dissimilar from like the other places that outside of Japan. Pokemon is... It's certainly a phenomenon, but the card game itself, like from a player standpoint, is still relatively niche in most parts of the world. What I've noticed here in Japan is like Pokemon and the card game is like way more a part of like broad culture. So I imagine like when the World Championships come here, like you won't feel like you're in this microcosm in whatever, you know, venue Pokemon is rented. Wherever you're staying, there will probably be stuff around you that is like Pokemon, like Friday night. You would not, you would be hard pressed in America to find a Friday night Pokemon League and have like two whole floors of people just playing some of which is playing for fun. Like that's, I don't know, not a thing in the United States. And no. it's, Yeah, it's crazy.
2: It's part of main culture, the fact that, I mean, if a celebrity would play Pokemon, most people in America would, would question it and look at it, but it's like a common thing for celebrities out here to be playing it or to learn it or pick it up or have friends who know about it, part of subculture. Uh, it's more so of like main culture in here. But I think I'm actually really looking forward to Worlds to seeing like what celebrities, what important people are gonna yeah. pull up and check the event out it's going to be an absolute madhouse, mark my words, in terms of getting into this event because I don't think people have an understanding, I hope TPCI has an understanding of how crazy the demand is for this event in this country that if if events for Champions Leagues, which is a competitive, high-scale event where you have to play against thousands of people, if that draws in 30,000 applicants to play in a tournament for 3,000 people, at least times that by five. You're looking yeah. at probably over a hundred thousand people who, if you asked would you like to go to the world championships to check it out, would instantly say yes, right? Yeah. And that's just people probably in the Tokyo and Kanagawa prefectures alone, right? Talk about all of Japan as well. It's not just a phenomenon strictly in Tokyo itself, right? This is a, a, global, this is a global, but mainly specifically a national phenomenon that is book.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's one of the things I've noticed here is just like going into a card shop, any of, there's like tons of card shops here, by the way. It's Wild. Um, But going into any card shop, actually even just finding sealed packs to like open up, like everything seems to be very hard to get. And I don't think it's because they've underprinted necessarily. I think it's just because, to your point, so much demand. Um, So if you do want to go to Worlds, try to book your stuff sooner rather than later and figure it out. I'll be interested to see all the side events that Pokémon runs this year. Um, especially, I don't know if Gym Leader Challenge has really taken off in Japan, mm. but I know that that's a new format that Pokemon is supporting even more. And it would be interesting to see, hey, like, if they actually make that a big side event thing for this year's Worlds, how does that affect Pokemon Company in Japan and the Pokemon scene here?
2: I'd be interested to see how they're gonna apply it. It is a little bit interesting seeing an event on TPC grounds be held by TPCI, Mm -hmm. uh, which has been the case for World Championships for years and years now. But I know regardless of how it's run, how everything is organized, it's gonna be a great event. It's gonna be so awesome. The spectator pass thing worries me a little bit. Hopefully, (laughs) uh, I'd say book your trip uh, to Japan regardless, because you should come out here with the intention of going to Worlds, and of course, uh, make sure you uh, in the meantime for the next couple months work on getting your internet updated and fast and speedy so that you do not <laughs> lose out on the chance uh, to do this. And make sure you invest in some good alarms if the iPhone one's not cutting it for you because yeah. you do not want to miss when it drops. You want to be there. You want to be excited. And Worlds is an event every single year. I keep saying this over and over again. It's my favorite event because of several reasons. But mainly, there is no bigger stage than the World Championships. And the stage only gets bigger and bigger every year. And I'm excited to see what this year is going to hold. We saw the key art for it a few (laughs) weeks back on the Pokemon Presents back in February. Yeah. Now more people even know about it because it's on a direct broadcast as well. There's going to be so much hype surrounding this event. I'm excited to see what's going to happen that weekend.
1: I'm excited too. All right. I will throw it back over to Jake or wherever in the pod. This is going to end up being. Thank you, Ethan. It was wonderful chatting with you. It's been great hanging with you. Just regardless, um, yeah. And drop any comments or, or questions on Twitter, uh, and you can tag Ethan at Ethan Heggy, I think is your at Hegster TCG, TCG. Yeah, but you know you'll probably get the other one at some point soon. At Hegster TCG, though, if you want to direct some of those questions towards Ethan. So, all right. And welcome back. That was an excellent interview,
0: Sean. Congratulations, because we definitely, you know, just listened to it uh, (laughs) recording this podcast uh, for sure. But, Sean, with that, we've got a lot of other things to talk about here on this podcast, because there was a lot of actually good news that came out. Um, through this week so let's get right into the first one we kind of talked about it a little bit last week GameStop showing off a new distribution uh, with their new promos we just wanted to include in there you know we talked about the promo that is in there the LeChonk and the new like reverse hollow and they finally have like a different logo and stuff like that but One of the things also that they're giving out, which I was actually able to get, is they're also giving codes for Flying Terror-type LeChonk in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, the video game. So you can go in there, you can ask for the uh, code, not only for the video game, but you can also ask for the card as well. Sean, I actually went to a GameStop yesterday at the time of this recording to go get At least the card. I want it. Yeah, the promo card. And they said that they didn't even get it um, in store. They gave me the LeChonk video game code, but not the card. They said they didn't get it at all. Like, it's not like they ran out or something like that. And it's crazy because, like, not only did Kentucky run out, but I think around here in Kentucky and then also when I was in North Carolina the other week, you know, they were saying that they didn't have pre-release kits. Either So I don't know what the distributors are are doing with the uh, Pokemon product
1: as of late, but hopefully you're lucky enough to get a Lechonk. Yeah, I mean, I assume they're out there. I assume somebody can get them, but that is pretty weird. I don't know if maybe the code is available March 31st, but maybe the Lechonk. You know what's weird, though? It should have been for March 31st and April 1st, and here's the reason... I don't know, if anybody got emails from Pokemon or saw anything about Pokemon Universe during April 1st, apparently it was like a big LeChonk April Fool's Day. Did you see any of that, I did not see it at all. No, I was busy working. (laughs) Okay, so, and I don't know if this was also maybe in Japan, and I, I don't know. I don't know where I saw it. Somewhere on my Instagram, people were talking about it. But if you went to, like, the website for Pokemon and, like, all these other things... It was just, like, there would be, like, lots of LeChonks just filling up the screen, and when you would scroll through all the different new Pokemon from the new set and the new series, it would just be Lechonk, 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 Lechonk. so... That's really funny. Yeah. And so, like, it makes sense that they gave They would give away the promos of Lechonk on April mm-hmm. 1st, because it was like, oh, new game, new set, April Fool's Day, all that stuff in one, so...
0: It was just great marketing all together. Now, if only if everybody was able to uh, get them, that's a a whole (laughs) different story. But I'll let you know. I'm going to be checking more stores here. We'll let you know next week if I was able to get it. But one thing that you're probably going to need a little bit more work to get, I would say, Sean, is the new big set that's been revealed by the Pokemon company in Japan. You're in Japan when this revealed, actually, right? Yeah, yeah. This came out. This this revealed during Champions League or something, right? This
1: would have come out, um, I guess, April 1st would have been Saturday, which was the first day of Champions League. Um, Mm -hmm. It was weird being here. um, One weird thing was, like, I went to a store with Ethan. Uh, It it says on, on the store Hararuya, but I think it's supposed to be pronounced Hallelujah-
2: so that's oh, okay. the name
1: of the store in Tokyo, in Akihabara. So, but we went there and there was a bunch of people practicing for the Champions League. Um, the next day, we were there on the Friday night. Um, and apparently, side note, I didn't really get to interact with this human because I was checking out, I was buying cards. But Shintaro Ito swung by the store when yeah. I was there and was just, and Ethan was like, hey, do you know who I was just chatting with? And I'm like, no. And he was like, no, that was Shintaro Ito. And I'm like, what? <laughs> So he oh my was My goodness. So yeah, he was buying cards. But yeah, the Champions League happened this last weekend.
0: Yeah, if you do not know Champions League is essentially like I think it's like a regional. Yeah. Um in terms of the same, but their uh their style is different in Japan where like, you know, if you win, isn't it if you win you automatically qualify for Worlds or it's uh... it's not the same point system that we have. Ethan and I discussed
1: this, so the people who oh, listen okay. to the you yeah, might- no,
0: no, no. I was just testing you, yeah, because we know all about
1: it because of the interview <laughs> later. I, I don't um, think if on you on the I channel. Don't, I don't think if you win, you get an invite automatically. But it's like thousands of people, and from what I hear, you mm-hmm. really need to get like top sixteen to top thirty-two, and in, in, in all four that you get to play in to qualify. it. Yeah. It's crazy. So.
0: And it's also like a lottery, I believe, right? Or at least it used to be a lottery. So you could register, but that doesn't mean you get invited to play in these Champions League. It's very, very interesting. But again, blah, 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 uh, (laughs) blah, interview. Um, If you want to learn more, you can rewind back. But in Pokemon card 151, the set was officially revealed. And we talked about this earlier, how Kadabra was returning into the TCG, released by Yuri Geller. Um, if you don't know, there was a lawsuit by Yuri Geller, famous uh, um, hip- hypnotist. Is that the right term? I want to uh, say magician, but sure. I feel like that's disrespectful
1: to I him. mean, <laughs> I, yeah, he he does something with hypnotism and magic and other stuff. Yeah, entertainer. He's a professional entertainer.
0: Yeah, he's an entertainer. Um, But again, it returns Kadabra after 21 years. And there's a bunch of other cards. Again, this set, I think we talked about this a little bit when this first released a while ago. Um, But it'll feature the first 151 Pokemon in the Pokédex. And the cards will also be in Pokédex order. So Bulbasaur being number one, Ivysaur number two. Pikachu being number 25, Mew being 151 as well. It contains 165 cards before the secret rare. And so the set list is, uh, or not the entire set list, but there were several cards revealed during the Champions League stream that you may have watched on YouTube. I know I was watching it and watching uh, Ethan also talk about the event when he was streaming it, but there are several other cards in here, and one of them that I kind of want to talk about, Sean, is Giovanni's Charisma. Oh. The weird. trainer down at the bottom. Okay. It's the last card that's you know kind of been revealed. It's a supporter card. It says put an energy attached to your opponent's active Pokemon into their hand. If you do, attach an energy card from your hand to your active Pokemon, which I think is really, really cool because we've seen kind of the uh both players do certain things, but usually it's like, you know, shuffle cards in a deck or with Bulubo and Bryson Man, like milling multiple cards on both players' decks. But this one is, this one is with energies, which I don't think I've really seen before.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's like a lot, there, there have been other cards that allow you to attach one extra energy and it doesn't specify. Mm-hmm. And also the interesting thing about this, it's put an energy. Assuming that this has been translated correct, correctly, it doesn't even say basic. You could attach yeah, another so special. Can,
0: yeah, like your double turbo energy, you can just throw on there. I think yeah. twin energy is now rotated, right?
1: Uh, I believe so. It will be. Yeah. 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 yeah so. so
0: just your double turbos.
1: <laughs> so, but like, yeah, you could attach a double turbo. Use this. Attach another double turbo. That's mm-hmm. pretty insane, to be honest. Um, and yeah, I, I think that'll be. Uh, it seems like a really cool card because it adds a little bit of like, it's a a little bit of control and um, uh, whatchamacallit, acceleration, which is a cool thing. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I would, um, the only thing that I would think would be important to play with this, and I wanna see if people do it, is if people use something like escape rope or cross switcher with this, because what most people do is they will try to power up something in the bench because they know that your act their active is gonna get knocked out, right? So it's like your insurance <laughs> policy. But if what you can do instead is like bring the thing to the bench up somehow with a cross switcher or an escape rope, get the energy off of that because it's only the active Pokemon that you can remove an energy from, and then bring back or whatever, the thing that you want to destroy or kill. Like, I don't know, it's it's a little convoluted and complicated, but like. There is a world, I, I think, where like that strategy could be really annoying to people.
0: There's another strategy that I think a lot of people will utilize, Sean. If you scroll one card up, safety goggles. Remember that this is not an item card. Remember the new errata now in Pokemon standard format is that these are tool cards. Tool cards are their own separate category, just like supporters, stadiums. Items, and now tool cards. So this tool card, Safety Goggles, is basically weakness policy for anyone who's been around a while. The basic Pokemon this card is attached to has no weakness. Keyword here is basic Pokemon, so it's a little bit different, a little less stronger than usual. But you look at decks like right now, like uh, Maridon, um yeah. I don't think Lost Box really cares about it, mm-hmm. but... You know, you look at decks like that right now that are going to be around in the format and things like that, and that I mean, they'll they'll probably utilize this. I feel like if Urshifu comes back in our standard, and I saw uh, J W Crewall flex Daddy righteous playing it on stream today, mm-hmm. and he was having a lot of fun with Urshifu. Um, if that comes back, then who knows? Maybe safety goggles is a is a good play to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you it's... play Arvin. It's, it's interesting for something like Maridon, um, and maybe there'll be some other Basics that are mm-hmm. a little beefier that this matters for. I, I find it a little weird because I'm like, okay, most Pokemon now do enough damage to knock out a Basic. Like that's It's not mm-hmm. hard to knock out the Basic. So what this really does is it punishes two different types of decks that I don't think need to be punished, actually. What it does is, if anybody plays this, it punishes single-prizer decks who are gonna use, you know, their one-prizer to take out, you know, a basic Pokemon like a Lycumoridon that's worth two prizes. So like, you can't hit that for a weakness as a single-prizer. And then it also punishes the um, evolution decks. So like, we're bringing back EX Pokemon, and a lot of the EX Pokemon that seem pretty interesting are not basics, right? They're stage twos even, stage one, stage two. I really, I don't know, I'm not a designer, but I really would have loved to see this card have, actually, if they'd have changed it to the evolution card, Pokemon this card is attached to, like give it the same restriction, but make it evolution. Because then it, I don't know, it it is a more rewarding thing for somebody who's taken the time to evolve into something, you know? Um,
0: It'll be interesting to see how it plays out because... um... I feel like right now, at least in terms of our, you know, our format, I know Ethan has played extensively in the, uh, in the formats and things like that. Um, but I feel like we don't, we don't really know what's going to be the best decks now with rotation and Scarlet and Violet until like we have the first, you know, round of the tournament or whatever.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, there's two more Pokemon I want to talk about, actually. All right. Uh, I want to look at this Alakazam. Did you get a chance to look at this Alakazam, Jake? I will... I I saw... Not really, no. no.
0: Okay. I'm, I won't lie. I was I mean, going to try to read it real quick, but yeah, I can't yeah. read that fast. The,
1: the first attack...
0: It's a 310... Oh, no, I did see this. Yeah. I did
1: see this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, go on. Yeah, Sorry, I'll stop yeah. interrupting. It's a 310 HP stage 2. So, like, you know... Guard of EX is apparently good, so like, cool. It's good. I don't know. Uh, it has Mind It does ninety plus thirty more for each of your opponent's benched Pokemon, so it can do up to two hundred and forty damage for two Colorless, which is not nothing, right? Like that's actually half mm-hmm. halfway decent. Uh, but the second attack is, I think, one of the most interesting attacks that I've ever seen on a Pokemon, which is for two Psychic Energy. So you got to you got to commit to that Psychic, but You have dimensional manipulation, it only does 120, but this Pokemon can use this attack even when it is on the bench, Jake. I think this is the first time,
0: at least that I've seen, a Pokemon be able to use an actual attack from the bench when they're not in the active. We've seen abilities in the active. You know, we've we've seen a lot of that stuff, but not the not like the actual, man, it's just crazy. I also can't wait to see this loaded in a uh, PTCGO. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to see this break
1: PTCG live.
0: <laughs> or, yeah, PTCG live. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's no, you're right.
1: You're right. You know what's going to happen with this card, Jake. Um, I, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> I, I think this, you could load this card up too. Because I'm like, I, I assume that a choice belt will also work. On this card, so you're doing 150, you know? Like, that's really good. You throw in a halucha, and you can two-shot anything, really, that is 310, you're paying them a little bit of damage here. And mm-hmm. I think something like this, there is a Trevenant. I think it's going to stay in standard. I could be wrong. But I believe there's a Trevenant that does not give up prizes when it is knocked out. Um, I do
0: remember something along those lines and us talking about it, but I can't remember off the top of my head what it is.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't, I remember there's a talked Pokemon. about it. It's like, yeah. I think it's a grass type. It looks like a tree in my brain. I don't know. But <laughs> it's, a, I think this, this also signals to me, Jake, I would not be surprised if they reprint, um, like, Clefairy doll or something in this set, as part of the set. Okay. Because like, it goes perfectly with this, right? You gotta think mm-hmm. to yourself, okay, well, it's the Pokemon 151. You think about like the very early days of the Kanto region, there was that one trainer, right? And she has a little Lily's, she has a little Clefairy doll, you know, in the original and, series. And I mean, I
0: think that was like, also one of the, one of the cards in base
1: set. Yep, exactly. Like it, it, something actually along those right. lines too. Yeah. So I could see this I could see that card being printed with this um and then it becomes a question of like cool now how do I recycle those and then silene mm-hmm. becomes like a big part of your game plan um yeah I I think this could be really cool as an archetype like super annoying because it's 310 HP you are going to have a hard time knocking it out without weakness right mm-hmm. so if you have any way to maybe heal this Pokemon a few times, make your opponent use up all of their bosses and serenas just to knock out one of them. Boom! You still need to take four more prizes, right? Like, oh, I love this card, Jake. I love it.
0: You also play the uh, the poncho. Oh, Is does the, the poncho kill in format? Oh, that's such a good. Because the
1: poncho allows you not to be bossed. Maybe I, I, I think it, I maybe it does stay in format. I don't know. That's insane. I have no
0: idea. Well, let me get on TCG Player real quick <laughs> and see what the what the poncho uh, mark is because that would be that would be really interesting. Leafy Poncho. I think this is F block. Yeah, it's F block. Okay, so it's still Places in format. Porter card from their hand prevent all effects of that card done to the Pokemon V Star or V Max. Uh, okay. Oh, so that's not EXs. Never mind. Bad idea. Bad idea. 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 But still, they thought about that. They were like, "Jake's gonna think. If Jake can think of this, then we can't make it because everyone (laughs) else will think of it." You know.
1: Um, I, I still though, I, I really, I love this. Maybe you even, like, I could even see this card being played with, like a Sharon's Care Engine, um, Mm -hmm. where you're playing whatever the biggest, beefiest, colorless Pokemon you can think of, so that your opponent can't maybe knock them out. And then every turn, you use your Sharon's Care to just pick that card up, uh, put it back down, pal pad, all that good stuff. Like, Jake, this is going to be such, I think this is going to be an actually, like, good deck. I hope so. I'm going to call it. Because
0: it seems like a ton of fun. It seems like a ton of fun, this idea. We'll see if it comes into fruition. You never know, especially with rotation around the corner. You know, we don't have quick ball anymore, no scoop up net. Mm-hmm. Things like that. And, and they still have to print the uh, the the Clefairy doll thing. It's been a while since they've done that. So They missed yeah. out on it entirely in uh, Sword and Shield because it was printed in Cosmic Eclipse in late Sun and Moon. Yeah. And then we just haven't seen anything like it since, mostly because Pokemon doesn't like cards like that, I feel like.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason they didn't reprint it is, I, I don't know, who knows, who knows actually, but... Uh, It seems like the right time. They've had those type of substitution dolls and robo-substitute and all that for years. So, Mm -hmm. you know, what's old is new.
0: What's old is new. And there is something new that you can get over at the PokemonCenter.com. We kind of talked about this because I think they're doing this with the Milk Carton Supporter. um, Oh, yeah. The two deck
1: boxes, Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, But Pokemon Center has now released new double deck boxes and card sleeves they've got three designs here with you my uh the most popular pokemon in the trading card game you know espion deoxys it's got ho and celebi on it as well you know sun and moon ying and yang um Mm -hmm. on it there's pikachu with a bunch of other like cute little electric pokemon and then there's larvesta you know, I mean, no, uh, there's there are some people that love, love, love Larvesta. And on here also, there's like Frostmoth, but it's not like the Espeon Umbreon where they're both on like the cover. Like you have to open it up to see the Frostmoth and it's just an outline like there's no Larvesta on it. But it, I mean, there are some big, big, big time Larvesta fans, and you know, no hate over here. It's just. You know, if I'm thinking of introducing the double deck boxes, is not one of the first three uh, Pokemon groups that I think of, you know.
1: Now, are these in uh, America? Is this the American Pokemon Center that does this? Um, I will say, yes, this I is the so. American Pokemon Center.
0: I just clicked on this link, and it's taken me to the American Pokemon okay. Center. If you want the uh, double deck boxes in here, which I kind of recommend if you're someone that collects, like, and plays multiple decks. You know, you like to try out multiple decks at leagues against people. You know, you're deciding last second what to take to a regional or something, and it's the night before. Um, these deck boxes are really cool because when we say double deck boxes, it basically means you can fit two sleeved decks inside of it. Um, yep. Each pack of card, each, each pack of the double deck boxes also comes with 65 card sleeves, um as or wait no 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 I'm sorry the uh double deck box holds two sleeve 60 card sleeve decks and yeah. it has a magnetic closure that costs $13 each but then each pack of card sleeves comes with 65 sleeves for um 8 extra dollars so I don't think you can oh no you can't buy them together it's not like no. you get the double deck box with the sleeves. So you got to buy them a little bit separately and then also it's not on this Pokey Beach website, but they also have play mats of mm. the same designs. So um the design the play mats are $25 each, the double deck boxes $13 each, and then the sleeves are going to be $8 each. So go ahead, check cool. that out if you want. It's they're quite cool actually. Yeah. So um, I personally I like them a lot. yeah,
1: I personally really like the Pikachu design. That's that's my mm-hmm. favorite of these. Um, but I know that the the evolutions are always a fan favorite. The evolutions are really cool because
0: it's just like it's just like two different colors, the white and the blue. You know, it's not like over the top. The Pikachu one is also cool. I like the Electric Pokemon one because it's you know brighter color and it's got black on it. I'm a sucker mm-hmm. for black and gold <laughs> personally. I'd probably get
1: the uh, Electric Pokemon one, but. That's just me. Jake, there's one last big piece of news. Take it away. The big news that I would say is that local
0: events are returning in North America and I think the rest of the world as well. Um, Or at least North America, I'll say. But Pokemon has officially announced the return of local organized play events, including League Cups and League Challenges. And this is happening soon, Sean. It's not like we've got to wait until next year. The first League Cups will begin on April 14th, so basically in two weeks, They're, the first season is going to be ending on June 30th, and monthly League challenges as well will beginning or will begin in April. So if you do not know, maybe you joined us during the pandemic and stuff like that. Pokemon would have these more localized tournaments and things like that. You know, if you don't want to go to regionals, if you don't want to go to like international championships, right? Travel across the country and globe, you could go to your local store potentially and garner championship points through these league challenge and league cup tournaments. And so these are back. Um, It was Pokemon events manager, which was the software to run the tournaments it was recently shut down on oh, no, no.
1: tom other way around i'm sorry other oh, way
0: i'm sorry yeah <laughs> tom was shut down um and then pokemon event manager was brought in my apologies but <laughs> um which i think some people have some mixed feelings about i don't really know um well it says in the at least uh pokey beach article um that the uh it's riddled with bugs and caused numerous issues during tournaments so yeah. wow it sounds like ptcg live yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i mean look it's uh the new software i've had people at my leagues to also talk about how it's like they have to use it mm-hmm. for the pre-releases i think and it's been a little mm-hmm. bit annoying but uh it is what it is
0: uh i I will say in this league challenges, they're local level tournaments, they're kind of your smallest local level tournaments that garner your points. And then cups are the next highest up before you get to like a regional and things like that. And again, you get these points qualify for the world championships in Yokohama, Japan. Um, League challenges will have a best finish limit of two in this. So what we mean by that is if you compete in three tournaments, Right? Three league challenges from April 14th to June 30th. You can only take your top two finishes. So if you got first in one, second in the second one, and then third in the third one, you only take your first and second championship points Um, yeah. in there towards your world championship invite. League Cups also have that rule as well. So you can only get a maximum of 100 points Through league cups and uh, 30 points for league challenges. And there's also, you know, in terms of the placement, um, there's a kicker like number of participants, and that affects how many points you get, I think.
1: And I don't really know the the kicker is like specifics on that. Yeah, the kicker is basically like if the more people there are, the lower the placings will get points. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you're at fifth place, but there's only eight people. You know, in the tournament, you're not going to get anything. But if there's 24 mm-hmm. people in the tournament, right, then you might get some points. So there that's we go. Sean's
0: challenge. got it for you. Sean yeah. is the one that actually knows. <laughs> I just play and get last, so I don't ever have to think about points in <laughs> I, there. But yeah, I was going to. One say, of I,
1: the uh, sorry. Oh, go ahead.
0: I was going to say. I was going to say one of the reasons that you can. Um, find your one of the ways that you can find your local events is if you go to we'll put this in the description if you type pokemon event locator pokemon's got a spot on the website where you can buy you know your area or you can type in you know um you can type in your area code or city or something like that. You can find places from this website of you know places that are having local league, places that are um, having cups, challenges, things of that nature. So use that. Again, it'll be in the description or the show notes, whichever you use if you've never heard of it before. And uh, go, uh, go play some stuff. Sean, what were you going to say?
1: I was just going to say that um, the best finish limit of two – is I think some people were a little surprised that they kept it so low because they've, they've waited till the end of the season, basically, to reintroduce mm-hmm. these. However, this best finish limit, I think, is reflective of the typical amount of best finishes you might expect in a quarter. So, like, mm-hmm. next year, it seems like if they keep this system, it seems like they're going to revert back to the original system, which is a best finish limit of eight for either Cups yes. and Challenges. Uh, And so they've just reduced that number given it's not starting until April in the season. Um, I don't know. It's it's like, I don't, I can't imagine anyone would have been able to grind their way into a a world championship invite even if the best finish limit was still eight, given you only have like, you know, 10 weeks to do it all in. I would say, I think...
0: I think that the two is fine, and there's a couple reasons for that. One, like you mentioned, it's pretty typical, you know, like two and a quarter. Um, it's it's pretty much the same rate as it was before. But also, I think what they want to avoid is bringing these local events back. And, you know, they made such a push on getting people, you know, online and stuff and, and learning how to play the game. There's a bunch of new players. You know, we're playing these regionals now that we're back, and we're hitting record numbers in these areas. I think Australia, you know, this past weekend, Australia had their biggest regional ever. You know, um, so I think what they're trying to avoid is putting too many in so then like people can qualify, you know, for worlds off their cups or challenges or have like half of their like half or three fourths of their points off challenges. They're trying to avoid that because then that means people are going like all yes. over To compete and it's just it's just a little
1: too intense i think for what pokemon wants
0: coming out of the gate
1: yeah i think you're absolutely right this this is basically like hey if you have almost all your points cool like Mm -hmm. you went to like two regionals three regionals and you have like you know 70 percent of your points this will probably get you over the hump right great yeah this will help you out and then otherwise you're like cool i mean i can go and experience what a competitive level event is like, even if I'm not trying to go to Worlds. And to your point, Jake, it won't be so insane because it's not like there's all these people trying to get tons of points. Like, you know, so
0: yeah, go. Yeah, like I remember one time when I was living in Indianapolis, I drove with a friend to Ohio for the day to compete in a League Cup. Like, I think they're trying to
1: avoid stuff like that. I mean, yeah, we'll see. Even before the pandemic, like back when Pokemon was... I would say a lot less popular, like the TCG, than it mm-hmm. is even now. It was still like there was plenty of people driving all over different areas to compete, just because you know. Like
0: I think, I think I remember um, there was like this big. They called it like the Iowa Tour, mm-hmm. where like over a weekend you could compete in like like a week straight worth of league cups over the summer to help like people push their invite and stuff like that it's like oh it's like a yeah i think it's an organized thing where they had like a tournament every day like in this area and and i re, i remember had a buddy that played in it and actually got his world's invite because he went to that and he kind of like last second went for his final push to get enough points so uh,
1: and people like traveled all over for that yeah i mean i know you know just so when people know and this comes back next year in the next season like a lot of stores in areas, they do court they typically do coordinate with each other to be like, okay, well, let's not have overlapping cups and challenges because that's not good for anybody. Um, and then they also will try to schedule them all where they're like roughly, like if one is on a Friday at one place and it'll be the Saturday and then the Sunday. At least that's what I found in New, in New York area. Um, so that way mm-hmm. people who do want to travel in from like 100 miles or so out for a cup, they can stay for a couple days, go to like three cups, and then go back home. Um,
0: and everybody benefits. Yeah. Anywho, I will say, I will say, if you were trying to avoid, like me, PTCG Live, it's no more. Again, Pokemon Trading Card Game Online, the uh, the old client is not being supported anymore. So you can still get on, and you can still play, and you can still trade, and and rip open uh, old packs you can't i don't think you can upload you can't upload at all scarlet and violet packs um but you can do it on ptcgl and i actually play i downloaded and i started playing pokemon trading card game live over the weekend and um i've it's not the best sample size i've only played like 15 to 20 games um but it's it's bearable it's bearable. I'm not going to say it's great. I'm not going to say it's good. And I still think there are a lot of problems with it, with its UI, its design. Um, I don't really know much about the currency system. I do know that when you hit level 50 in a, uh Pokemon trading card game live, because trust your pilot, the creator, Sean, that, mm-hmm. you know, his whole gimmick is like roasting live. You know, you know oh, what I'm I talking didn't.
1: about? I don't. I'm not on the Twitter anymore
0: oh yeah that's
1: right you're not on the twitter well
0: there's a content creator that's garnered a following because his whole gimmick is um roasting live right and it's it's a good gimmick good 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 content strategy in my opinion um recently just hit level 50 he's been playing for like 13 months right just hit level 50 in pokemon tcg live he got 200 coins for his reward for hitting level 50. that was it just 200 coins Stingy. Stingy PTCG but, live. I
1: mean,
0: yeah, and I have yet to hit in my games like a game breaking state of like, you know, you know, I can't play this car. I've I've experienced sure. literally no bugs. Um
1: well, but you um, mentioned the Pokemon tool thing that might be. Oh weird.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well I haven't seen it in my game, but they're I don't, we retweeted it on Twitter if anybody um, Saw so apparently somebody reported and showcased in like a video um, that Pokemon tool, the Pokemon tool card errata. I mentioned that tool cards are now their own category. Mm-hmm. They did not apply the errata to the old cards, you yeah. know, like Choice Belt, um, Air Balloon. I mean, if you're playing an expanded. Um, Like they did not apply the errata to the old tools um, prior to Scarlet and Violet. The new tools have the errata where their own category and stuff like that, but not the old ones. So who knows if they'll pump out an update, you know, fixing that. I haven't tried it in mine Mm -hmm. yet to see. I never like really it didn't register until we called each other just a couple minutes ago to record this podcast. And I was like, I actually
1: haven't tried it in my game or yeah. thought about it. So, um, now question. Actually. Yes. This is totally random actually. Um, so yeah, to that point though, if you are practicing, mm-hmm. uh, with a new format, Irita will not grab you a tool card anymore. Just so you know, just yes, in general. It shouldn't. It, it shouldn't. shouldn't grab your or, tool card anymore. If you're playing in person, also just remember that. <laughs> um, yes, yes, please. I do wonder, Jake, the card cram mm-hmm. in order to play it, you have to discard an item card and then flip a coin. Yeah. Does, so then you can't discard
0: tool cards then.
1: Right. Like, is, is a tool card still an item? Is it a subset of an item still? Or is it is its own tool? Every bit of it is its own category. It's no longer an item in any way. Oh,
0: oh man, this might be a will post question. Um, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an item card at all anymore. I think it's yeah. just a trainer card at this point. I think it's like a supporter. You know, I mean, okay. supporters used to just be under the umbrella with trainer cards, um, and yeah. Stuff like item cards That's back true. in like base set, but I think I think it's its own subset of trainer cards now. Um, so... I didn't think about that.
1: Yeah, so you know those of you out there playing Mew, because Mew's still going to be good in the new format. Yes. Those of you playing mm-hmm. Mew, if you throw that Kramamatic down, don't think that you can discard a Forest Seal Stone or a Sky, you know, what, any of those, and uh, and not get a judge called on you. Or like if your opponent does that, maybe kindly remind them before they start searching their deck, like, hey, wait, wait, yes. wait, you can't do that. Um, I could be wrong. So this is maybe maybe hit up Will Post or somebody or a, your, your local uh, judge. Maybe just, yeah, maybe you know. just
0: ask your local judge yeah. about it. I'm sure in their judge chats and,
1: and things like <laughs> I, that, their servers, I, that they have talked. I'm sure they've I'm talked sure, about this. I'm sure, I, I'm sure, I'm it's sure come they up, have. I'm sure it's come up in the Jap- Japanese meta, too, though. Um, mm-hmm. So, but, you know, important thing. I just thought about that. I'm like, huh. It does affect a lot of weird interactions that like before you could do a thing and now you can't, so PSA. If
0: you're if you're looking for some good decks to play and you know, starting out post rotation, Tabletop Village did have a post rotation one thousand dollar tournament over the weekend for anyone who couldn't go to Fort Wayne because Tabletop Village, if you do not know, I believe is in Seattle, mm-hmm. Washington. I believe so. Either um,
1: Seattle or outside of it, somewhere. Yeah,
0: it's in that area. You know, very far away from Fort Wayne, Indiana. You know, if you know your, uh, if you know your United States map. But I know some of the good decks were Lost Zone. Lost Zone was played a lot. Lugia also made top eight. Mew V played top eight, and then also Mia from the uh, from the Pokemon Company. Um, or I don't know if Mia still works. Yeah. Mia is a TCG game designer over at the mm. Pokemon Company. Mia played in this tournament and played Dialga, Meridon, Magnazone, and posted posted her list. Um, and I've been playing it, and I love this deck so much. So <laughs> if you see someone rocking Dialga V Star with Magnazone and Meridon, it's probably me.
1: That's awesome. That's
0: awesome. But there are some fun decks that you can play on your rotation to prepare you for the next tournament, just like how we prepare you on the Pokemon podcast that revolves around the evolving meta. Sean, you got anything else?
1: Nope. See you next week. All right.
0: Enjoy, and we'll see you next week.